0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show Podcast, Hour 2. Breaking news. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Uh, It is 6 minutes 45 seconds after the hour to be precise and Kevin McCarthy has lost the vote to be Speaker of the House of Representatives. He is, they're still counting the ballots, but he could only lose four. He's now lost um, seven votes.
1: That's you. Jeffries. This
0: is live from the House of Representatives right now. S.
1: Payot. Don't know, now we know. Now we know. Jeffries.
0: Don't know, now we know. <laughs> uh, this will go on until they have one. Under the rules of the House of Representatives, let me explain this one to you. So the old Congress expired... Nancy Pelosi gaveled it out. They now hand it over essentially to the parliamentarian who starts it for the members. These are the ongoing rules. So you pass it off to the parliamentarian who presides over the vote because the members cannot be sworn in until there is a speaker. There can be no votes until they decide on a leader. And under the rules of the House of Representatives, they have to continue the vote until there's a speaker. I got to tell you, there's something alluring to me to just keep this going. I mean, let's do two years of just daily votes on speaker and not get any business done. I'm the, you, Your rights would be saved. You would be saved. You would be absolutely saved. They could, by two-thirds vote, waive the rule to pass the continuing resolution to keep the government funded in case you're worried about stuff like that. I'm not. But let's just keep this going for the next two years, and you and your rights and liberties will be completely safe. No one will be elected speaker. There will be a second vote in the House of Representatives today. Um, This is, it is remarkable history happening right now. Kevin McCarthy could only lose four. He's never going to get four votes. He's not going to get those four or five votes. The result of this is he won't be speaker. And the question now is how long will it go on for those of you who want me to criticize just the left? Why can I not criticize a man who doesn't have the votes and won't step away so someone better can get the job? Someone better could get the job. McCarthy has got to go away and he will. Until then, the speaker's chair will be empty. At least I hope he goes away. Now we got to switch gears. We got to switch gears. But before I do that, I want to take a phone call because uh, Lewis has been waiting a while. I do want to take your phone calls. The phone number is 877 973 7425, 877 97 Eric. I'm very happy to take your phone calls today since I've been gone for the last little while. I hope you guys did enjoy the Christmas show. Uh, I've gotten some emails from people asking, Where is it on podcast? As I tried to explain on the radio show, and you probably missed this. I can't put that show up as a podcast, and the reason is because of all the music that is involved. Uh, we can't run that as a podcast. The laws relating to the broadcast of music in a podcast are different from over-the-air broadcast, and so we can't do that, so I'm sorry. But thank you for listening and for your good feedback. Uh, Lewis, you're going to be up next. Welcome to
1: the show. Hey, Eric. Happy New Year. Um, i got a question. It's regarding the border. Um, We always hear that, yes, this is a Biden administration problem. We know that argument. We know he's not going to visit the border. We know that Kamala Harris is put in position because it was meant to fail. That's why they chose her to be the border czar. So it's more than him and Kamala takes the oath of office. Why do we have to wait and keep putting this argument that it's the Biden administration's problem and not go ahead and allow... Others who have taken oath of office like the Border Patrol and other people who are in law enforcement and governors and go ahead and engage and stop this instead of playing back and forth politics with a Title 42 uh, in place. I know that's a safeguard temporarily, but really it's not because of the issues that are going on. So where do we go from here if we're going to keep waiting on the president when we know he's not going to visit the border and we know he's not going to do anything to stop this when their whole agenda was open borders to begin with?
0: Yeah, look, uh, that's a great question. The problem is this is where you trip over the Constitution to a degree, and the reason is because the border – is considered the border of the united states yes it's the border of texas for sure but uh, Texas cannot go stop people from coming across the border without the president's permission, except in some cases. And and they're acting on those cases right now, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that this involves the territorial border of the United States of America, which makes it a federal issue, which makes it an issue of the president of the United States. And if you don't like the president of the United States handling it, then uh, you got to vote him out of office. This is from Article 2, Section 2. The president shall be commander chief chief of the Army and Navy of the United States and of the militia of the several states when called into the actual service of the United States. And as a result, he's in charge. And then you have Congress, which sets the rules about the border and integrity. Now, there is, in fact, a a clause in the Constitution requiring that the states be defended from invasion and some of the states are arguing they are being invaded, even though it's not hostile. I will tell you this. There's some breaking news happening right now, Lewis, uh, literally happening as I'm talking. The governor of Colorado uh, is claiming that he, Jared Polis, may send illegal aliens to New York, and he's a liberal Democrat. He is going to send illegal immigrants to New York, which is a heck of a thing, actually, to, to see that play out. Um, which is good. I I think that needs to happen. Um, See more of them engaged um, in this. Um, Now, I, I got a question coming in from people, and I need to answer this question. The 20th Amendment of the Constitution says this. The Congress shall assemble at least once in each year, and such meetings shall begin at noon on the third day of January unless they shall by law appoint a different day. Now, what does that have to do with anything? The question I'm being asked by people is how is it that the Congress, the House of Representatives, can assemble and assemble in such a way that the um that they can vote on a speaker, but they haven't yet sworn in the members. It's actually a very good question. Uh, Under Article 1, Section 2, the House of Representatives shall be composed of members chosen every two years by the people of the several states. Under the last clause of Section 2, the House of Representatives shall choose their speaker and other officers and shall have the sole power of impeachment. And then you get to Section 4. The times, places, and manners of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the state legislature. The Congress shall assemble at least once each year. And then Section 5, each house shall be the judge of the elections, returns, and qualifications of its own members, and a majority of each shall constitute a quorum to do business, but such smaller number may adjourn from day to day. Each house may determine the rules of its proceedings. Each House shall keep a journal of its, its proceedings. So what does all that mean? Put it together. Uh, the House sets its own rules and approves its members. The House's standing rules don't expire until new rules have been adjusted. And those standing rules say that uh, the House of Representatives meets and the very first act of business, because it's in Section 2 of Article 1 of the Constitution, is to choose its speaker. And until the speaker is chosen, no other business can be conducted. That's what's going on here. Uh, They have to, they've got to pick their speaker before they can do anything else. And as of this moment, they do not have a speaker. Kevin McCarthy is actually losing to Hakeem Jeffries, the new Democratic leader who took Nancy Pelosi's uh, spot. That's only because more Democrats have been called so far. Uh, There have been uh, now 10, as of this moment, 10 votes against Kevin McCarthy. He could only lose four. He's got 10 votes against him, 72 for him, 75 for Hakeem Jeffries, which means that he's not going to be speaker. They're going to have to go to another ballot, and that's a good thing. And then we can can move on from there. Now, I got to move on. But before I do, let me just set stage of motion. I got Charlie to cut up this audio and then forgot to play it. Uh, this is Bob Good. Bob Good is a congressman from Virginia. Just so you understand the stakes about what Kevin McCarthy is facing.
1: I, I suspect 10 to 15 members will vote against him on the first ballot tomorrow uh, that will vote for Andy Biggs. Uh, but then I think you'll
0: see on the second ballot uh, an increasing number of members vote for uh, a true. Uh, candidate who can represent the conservative center of the conference, can motivate the base, inspire Republicans across the country, get the country, get to 218 votes, bring our conference together to fight against the uh, radical Democrat agenda, the most extreme so, agenda so, we've so, ever wait, seen. Wait, let me stop you there. Who is that name? We, we, here we are in the 11th yeah. hour. There are no names. Give me a name. It's not any Biggs. Any Biggs isn't going to win. Well, well sir, I'm not going to resist for a few more hours what I have resisted for the last several weeks because, as you know, if we were to put forth a name right now over the last few weeks, that person would suffer all the attacks and retaliation and all the so threats. So you don't have a name. I mean, what leader? Absolute. Griff, you'll see that name tomorrow on the second ballot. On the second ballot, here's Rachel Bade uh, of The Washington Post. You're hearing that people are reaching out to Scalise? And that's absolutely right. For the, the, past, two? For the past few days, uh, conservative members have, have approached Scalise, among some other Republicans, too, to gauge whether he'd be interested. And, you know, I've talked to people who are close to Scalise who think he would. He doesn't want to be seen as undermining McCarthy at all. So he's very, very quiet and sitting back because, you know, if he were to step out now, obviously some moderate Republicans who are loyal to McCarthy would turn on him and potentially right. not vote for him. But the reality is these conversations are ongoing right now. And not just between conservatives and potential candidates, but between conservatives and moderate Republicans, I understand from talking to someone this morning about. What are they going to do
1: if McCarthy can't get the votes? Because right now he doesn't have them.
0: No, he doesn't. Donald Brazil on ABC's This Week.
1: Yeah, he's made so many concessions. I hear that he's going to open up a stand pretty soon. <laughs> Look, the truth is is that Kevin McCarthy has the most votes. But can he get that those key votes? It's going to be very, very hard. Um, Democrats are watching us. We're watching this with popcorn and also ready to go behind the scenes and help him out perhaps. Jim Clyburn and many others have been on the uh, phone, I I hear, talking to people who might be willing to talk to Democrats. But in the end, I think Kevin McCarthy is going to squeak it out uh, because enough Republicans will likely, uh, you know, decide to hold their nose and just go on in.
0: I don't know about that, Donna. I don't know. I am fascinated watching this play out, though. I really am. And I'm kind of delighted he has lost on the first ballot. Now, I'm going to want go to take a commercial timeout because I actually do want to get into the Malthusians raising their head on 60 minutes at the bottom of the hour before I even get there. Well, we do have to talk about a certain former president assigning more blame for the midterm elections. This time, I assume you've heard by now the people to blame, not him, not the candidates he picked, but the pro-life movement is what caused Republicans to not do well in the midterms. That, that That's right. That's now where the blame is assigned, and I only want a short segment on it. There's something you need to hear. Whether you like me saying anything, criticizing the former president or not, it's actually not even a criticism of him when we come back. The weather outside might be frightful, but in your bed, you've got super soft bowl and branch sheets to sleep under. They'll keep you comfortable. They're just the perfect weight, summer, winter, fall, spring, the perfect weight, and they get softer every wash. And right now, with the weather so cold outside, you want to just be snuggled up inside. They're the perfect sheets under which you and your loved one can snuggle. And right now, you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L. Andbranch.com. the promo code is Eric E-R-I-C-K Bull and Branch sheets are the perfect 100% organic cotton threads that get softer every wash. Not only do they get softer every wash, but they the drape across your body is just perfect. I really enjoy mine. We've got them now on multiple beds in the house. We've just kept buying them because they're so soft. And every wash, they get softer. And right now, get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BowlinBranch.com. That's BowlinBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com, the promo code ERIC. Hello there, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you would like to be on the program. On New Year's Day, the former president tweeted that, well, didn't tweet, he went on True Social. It wasn't my fault that the Republicans didn't live up to expectations in the midterms. I was 233 to 20. It was the abortion issue, poorly handled by many Republicans, especially those that firmly insisted on no exceptions, even in the cases of rape, incest, or life of the mother, that lost large numbers of voters. Also, the people that pushed so hard for decades against abortion got their wish from the Supreme Court and just plain disappeared, not to be seen again, plus Mitch's stupid money. I don't even need to criticize Donald Trump for his refusal to accept responsibility for a pick of bad candidates. He may have endorsed something like 253 candidates, but only about 20 of them really mattered as far as shaking up Congress, and they all lost. And some governor's mansions. I question the team around Donald Trump. The most loyal support Donald Trump has gotten in America has come from the Christian evangelical community and it has come because they are committed to a culture of life and he gave them a win at the United States Supreme Court. Whoever thought it was a good idea for the former president to go on true social and attack pro-lifers for what happened in November. Needs to be fired. His whole damn team needs to be fired. Everyone on Donald Trump's team should be fired. This is just whining. This isn't about him. It's about the message his team is sending. This isn't a make America great again message. This is a,
1: I'm out to blame.
0: Why are you acting like this? Why are you being advised to act like this? If Donald Trump really wants to have a go of it in 2024, he's got to cut out the whining and the bellyaching and the blaming pro-lifers and core members of the constituency he needs to win. Who does he go get? If he is alienating evangelical pro-lifers, what's his constituency? That's what this is about. That's that, That's the whole point here. Forget Donald Trump for a minute. Donald Trump's campaign team is not firing on all cylinders. Some of you want Donald Trump to win in 2024, you're committed to him. If you're committed to him, you need to tell him, find a better campaign team. One that can advise him not to go attack the core constituency group, in his coalition it's always been transactional evangelicals have always admitted it was as transactional as trump admitted it was transactional and the transaction ends when you attack the pro-lifers who've given you their votes they got what they wanted from you they got the to roe v wade they don't have to stick with you now and they're not going to stick with you if you attack them this is fundamental campaign 101 people This is like basic campaigning. It's not about him. It's about the people around him, the campaign apparatus around him. They've got to build a coalition to win. The hardcore part of that coalition has always been the pro-life evangelicals. They don't need him anymore in this transaction because they got what they wanted. And if you want them to stick with you after giving them what they wanted and they've already got it, you can't go attack them for the midterms. That wasn't a smart political move. Objectively, it wasn't smart. If you get rid of them in your coalition, they're the largest part of it, who do you get to replace them? Someone there is not thinking. Hi there. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you would like to be on the program, very happy to have you. Uh, We have to go to 60 Minutes. This is... Well, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I shouldn't be surprised they went there, but but let me just start with this clip.
1: We know the rate of extinction
0: is extraordinarily high because of a study of the fossil record by biologist Tony Barnowsky, Ehrlich's Stanford colleague. The data are rock solid.
1: I don't think you'll find a scientist that will say we're not in an extinction crisis.
0: Barnowsky's research suggests today's rate of extinction is up to 100 times faster than is typical in the nearly four-billion-year history of life. These peaks represent the few times that life collapsed globally, and the last was the dinosaurs, 66 million years ago. There are five times in Earth's history where we had mass extinctions, and by mass extinctions, I mean uh, at least 75 percent, three-quarters of the known species disappearing from the face of the Earth. Now, we're witnessing what a lot of people are calling the sixth mass extinction, where the same thing could happen on our watch. The same thing could happen, and you know, uh, famous anthropologist Jane Goodall, she spoke at the World Economic Forum last year. Listen to this,
1: kind of eye-opening. We cannot hide away from human population growth because you know, it underlies so many of the other problems. All these things we talk about wouldn't be a problem if there were if there was the size of population that there was five hundred years ago. We cannot hide away from human population growth. Because you know, it underlies so many of the other problems. All these things we talk about wouldn't be a problem if there were if there was the size of population that there was five hundred years ago.
0: What was our population five hundred years ago? billion fewer people on the planet. She wants the mass extinction of humanity in order to do this. I'm not surprised 60 minutes decided to run a, a fear scenario about a mass extinction, a, a sixth mass extinction. They relied very heavily on a man named Paul Ehrlich. He's a Stanford university biologist. In 1968, uh, Paul Ehrlich released a book called The Population Bomb. Here's a a quote from it. The battle to feed all of humanity is over. In the 1970s, hundreds of millions of people will starve to death in spite of any crash programs embarked upon now. At this late date, nothing can prevent a substantial increase in the world death rate. In fact world death rate has fallen from his predictions. Uh, Paul Ehrlich was a Malthusian. Malthus was a philosopher, pastor in Great Britain, I believe, who argued that That as population grows, resources become more scarce, which leads to mass starvation, death, famine, uh, the end of humanity. These people have been around for a very long time. Paul Ehrlich has been kind of at the foremost of this. And now many of these same people have decided we are entering a sixth mass extinction event. It's what they claim. Just let me read you some of what the 60 Minutes... Uh, intro started. Uh, This is Scott Pelley's intro to this. In what year will the human population grow too large for the Earth to sustain? The answer is about 1970, according to research by the World Wildlife Fund. In 1970, the planet's three and a half billion people were sustainable. But on this new year's day, the population is 8 billion people. Today, wild plants and animals are running out of places to live. The scientists you're about to meet say the earth is suffering a crisis of mass extinction on a scale unseen since the dinosaurs. We're gonna show you a possible solution, but first have a look at how humanity is already suffering from the vanquished wild. Here's a problem. It's not actually true. Michael Schellenberger, Dr. Michael Schellenberger, actually has noted that uh, all these claims have been thoroughly debunked in peer-reviewed scientific literature. The assertion that five more Earths are needed to sustain humanity comes from something called the ecological footprint calculation. It was debunked a decade ago, including by the chief scientist of the Nature Conservancy I've heard this idea for a while now about the sixth mass extinction, and it turns out when you studied it, it's actually not even true. To cause a mass extinction, humans would need to wipe out 75 to 90% of the species on the planet. In fact, uh, 6% of species on the planet right now are considered critically endangered. 9% are considered endangered. 12% are vulnerable to becoming endangered. That's really not significantly. Eight-tenths of 1% of the 112,432 known plant, animal, and insect species have gone extinct since 1500. That's a rate of fewer than two species lost every year for an annual extinction rate of one 1,000th of a percent. That's what the data actually says. What we have here is an industry of fear-mongering Malthusians who are really opposed to population growth on planet Earth. You should note, by the way, one of the things they claim is that we are wiping out habitat. Actually, in 2019, an area of the planet larger than the entire continent of Africa is now protected it's an area equivalent to 15% of the land surface on the earth. The number of designated protected areas of the world has grown from 9,214 in 1962 to 244,869 in 2020. In fact, in a lot of nations, including the wealthiest on the planet, we're starting to see a rebounding of species, including for example, in Europe wolves, as uh, human population has declined in rural areas, people have moved to cities, there's been a rebounding. The amount of land that anima, that, that humans need to grow animals for food has actually decreased. It's actually decreased roughly in size to Alaska. Why are they doing this? I have a reason, and to some of you, it's gonna sound crazy. You know, there's, the devil in the Bible quotes scripture. James, Jesus's brother, says he, even the demons know the Christ. In fact, he was recognized, the. The demons in uh, the possessed men—they could—they recognized him. People did not, and the demons did. The devil quotes scripture. They—they they clearly know the scripture. They twisted, they misinterpreted. But I—I I just got this this sneaking suspicion, you know, that um, scripture says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So, the devil says, "Well, why don't we limit the number who can be in the church? Limit the number who can crash in." God says be fruitful and multiply, so the devil says, nah, don't do that. It's a a spiritual issue. It is a biological issue. It's not a coincidence that the people who are most likely to embrace the idea of Malthusianism, the people who are most likely to embrace the idea that the world is limited in resources, are also the people who are willing to embrace sterilization projects, including the transgender agenda which believes that your children should be able to uh, be chemically castrated and otherwise to live their best life now in, in another gender identity that is contrary to biology and science. And hey, guess what? If we embrace this wholeheartedly, they can't procreate, can they? All of these Malthusians have for decades depended on the idea of limiting the population of the planet and they embrace all sorts of ideas. There's actually a story Uh, multiple stories out about your need to be responsible in childbearing and how you should really only have one child for the planet. They really don't want population to increase. And again, this to me is ultimately, I think, a spiritual battle. And I realize you don't get this from a lot of people, so it sounds a little crazy when you've never heard it before. But if you wanna limit the number in the church that can uh, crash the gates of hell, you gotta keep people from reproducing because the more people reproduce, the more likely you are to, to create a new person of faith. If we are created in God's image, the way you disrupt that is to allow people to pick their own image. And as more and more people become more and more secular and less Grounded in faith, the more likely they are to believe the nightmare scenarios that we ourselves are the gods and we ourselves are punishing each other, and we ourselves must take action to save ourselves from things we cannot save ourselves from. There's a spiritual component to this that people don't want to talk about. 60 Minutes is a secular media institution of liberals. They have every desire to fan the flames, to advocate for this particular agenda. Increasingly, we see members of the media now taking nonprofit dollars to advance stories. I saw in, in uh, my local paper, the Atlanta Journal Constitution, that they have uh, reporters now who are subsidized in some way with a nonprofit. One of them is a racial justice alliance, so of course, They're going to cover that topic. Uh, Major media outlets in Washington, D.C. have environmental reporters who are paid for by environmental outlets. And so, of course, their research and their reporting is going to be deeply skewed towards the left on these things. CBS News is of the left and for the left, and CBS News has a vested interest in scaring people about the future. What I find so interesting here is is if you did the Venn diagram of laying the circles over, many of the same people who think we're headed towards a sixth mass extinction are the same people who actually believe that AI is going to take over and we're going to be enslaved by the robots. I find it all very interesting that uh, the atheist secularists of the world believe we're going to create the instruments of our own demise. We are going to create the robots who enslave and kill us. We are going to destroy our planet. It is apocryphal. I cannot find it. I've heard the story from multiple different people. It wouldn't surprise me if it was true, but I can't find the evidence that it actually happened. When I was a kid, I just assumed it was true because teachers I respected told me the story, but I have heard the story that Franklin Roosevelt... Uh, in the run-up to the atomic bomb, decided they needed people of faith to be in charge of building it because the secular scientists who weren't really believers were convinced that they could make a mistake and blow up the whole planet, and they were moving so cautiously slow, we risked the Germans or the Japanese getting ahead of us in the arms race for the nuclear bomb. And if Roosevelt decided we needed some Christians in there who knew that we could not destroy the planet, only God himself could. Again, I, 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 it's an apocryphal story. I cannot find the story. I've heard it from more than one person over time. But it wouldn't surprise me if it was true. Because there is this mass of secular humanists in the world who believe we are the instruments of our own demise. We're out of resources on the planet. Do you know we actually have more access to more minerals and resources now than we did in the 70s? They underestimated the efficiencies of mankind. They underestimated the ingenious nature of mankind. They underestimated the ability of man to invent and become resourceful. In the 1980s, I was a kid growing up in Dubai. My dad worked for the oil industry. And there were stories out of that my school would talk about, about how we're going to run out of oil one day. And in fact, there are parts of the world, including, ironically, Dubai, that ran out of oil. But we on the planet actually have more access to oil now than we did 30 years ago because we've invented new ways between fracking and horizontal drilling and others to access oil we couldn't access then. And we've invented new refining ways to get it. We've become highly resourceful. And all of these people continue to bet against humanity, and they're elevated by the press because at the end of the day, they think we are the blight on the planet, and it's us who should go away they are worried, they say, about a sixth mass extinction. What they really want is the mass extinction of humanity because they have embraced a secular sense of theology that we are bad and we are sinful and the only way to heal the planet is to get rid of us as opposed to the religious way, the Christian way, which is for us to work on our own individual relationship and we will find everlasting life. With the secularists, it doesn't matter what you do as long as the mouth breather next to you is still polluting, you're all wiped out. And so we must get rid of that guy. It leads to violence, it leads to insanity. It leads to this sort of nonsensical epistemic belief that we're headed towards a mass extinction, even though all of the data says we're not. They'll believe it and they'll get news traction. And all that news traction is designed to do is to build anxiety in you when you should not live by this sort of fear. Now let's clear the air on this. I'm talking about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, of course. You can buy them a three-pack at EdenPureDeals.com. I, you know, I mentioned this to you uh last week when I was in Vegas. I had one with me because the the folks next door. Well, let's just say that there were it was odorific, and the Eden Pure took care of it. And I, I keep one in my suitcase. It wipes out odors. You can get three of them for less than two hundred dollars by going to EdenPureDeals.com. EdenPureDeals.com. You, on the front page of that website, you will be greeted with a discount code box, and you put in Eric three E R I C K three, and you will get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than two hundred dollars. You will save $200, and you will get free shipping. It's an incredible deal. It is an incredible product. It isn't just an air purifier that gets rid of the dust and the pollen and the mold and the bacteria. It actually eliminates odors. I actually use it for its odor elimination capabilities. If I'm frying in the kitchen, I fire it up. It gets rid of the fry odors. If I'm in a hotel or a car, someone's been smoking to the car or what have you, I use it. It gets rid of those smells. It gets rid of pet odors, litter box odors, smoky odors, musty odors. It wipes out those odors. You get one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your RV or one to travel with, like I do, EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you'd like to be on the program. And I would like to thank First Liberty Building and Loan for sticking with me on this. They've been long time. They were actually the very first advertiser on the program. They're still here into 2023. If you want to grow your business and you need access to large loans, $750,000, you're buying a building, building a building, expanding a franchise, reach out to First Liberty. Spend 10 minutes with them, see if you're a good fit for their program, firstlibertyga.com. They can help you nationwide. I, I am happy to take your phone calls 877 973 7425. Fascinating story. Uh, that is sticking out to me here. The biblical site where Jesus healed the blind man has been excavated and it matches in the excavation uh, how it is depicted in picture, the, the, in scripture. The Pool of Siloam and the Pilgrimage Road uh, are continuing to pan out exactly as they were described in the New Testament. The Israeli Antiquity Authority, the Israeli National Park Authority, and the City of David Foundation have announced uh, days before the new year, the Pool of Siloam, a biblical site uh, treasured by Christians and Jews, will be open to the public for the first time uh, in 2,000 years in the near future. The excavation is significant because it's where Jesus healed the blind man in John 9. It was, we now know for certain, confirmed by the archaeological evidence, as the Bible said it was, Uh, constructed by King Hezekiah. And what is so uh, interesting to me is how so much of the the statements of Scripture pan out among the archaeologists. So there's an inscription dating to the 8th century B.C. found in Hezekiah's tunnel, that describes uh, the digging of the tunnel and the creation of the bath as described in uh, the Kings 2 in 2020. It all pans out. It's about one and a quarter acres is the size of the pool with steps that go down into it that the bathers could also suntan on or just sit in the water. Really just fascinating data out there that um, it lines up exactly as it was described in Second Kings and in the New Testament. Uh, and it is gonna be open of uh, two people year round in Jerusalem uh, this year, thanks to archeological excavation. When we come back, Ron DeSantis sworn in as governor again in Florida. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office.